around about 35, our progesterone naturally declines, which isn't a problem because that's a natural thing. But the thing is, progesterone is like the mother of all hormones. She's the multitasking woman hormone that will go, you know, if there's a job that needs to be done in the body, she's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll jump in. Assalamu alaikum. Hello. This is Your Truth is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Nadira Razak. I am a wife, a mother, a seeker, and a life and business coach. This podcast is about tuning in to that small, quiet voice within that urges you to really follow your soul's calling. And this podcast aims to bring you solo episodes and interviews with other special humans who have followed this calling, no matter how out of the box it may have been, so that you get the courage to just go for your dreams, to trust those moments of insight and alignment so you can take action on the things that matter to you. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and keep in touch with me about the things that are on your heart so we can have a conversation about navigating this beautiful thing called being a human. Assalamu alaikum everybody. Welcome to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. This is your host Nadira Razak and today this is my first interview of January 2024. It's Friday the 5th of Jan and I'm joined by someone that I met at a women's circle. Her name is Jacqueline Isles, and she is an Ayurvedic practitioner. I am going to introduce her to you formally, and then we will dive into our chat. I'm so excited that you're here. Jacqueline, welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's a delight to be with you. Thank you, Jacqueline. I'm going to just, yeah, read out your formal bio so everybody knows just your background before we dive in. Jacqueline is an Ayurvedic practitioner and yoga teacher with over 20 years experience in both modalities. She's a mom of two teens, a lover of nature, veggie gardener, and keen walker in wild spaces. She weaves the wisdom of Ayurveda and yoga with modern techniques and her deep intuition to support and mentor her clients into living in deeper connection to themselves and their hearts and cultivating health on all levels of their being. Since experiencing an early menopause at age 42, her focus has become women's natural hormone balance and vitality. Her heart's calling is to help women to live true to themselves and create space in their lives to nourish their nervous system, balance their hormones naturally, and connect to their feminine vitality so they have more energy, health, ease and joy in their lives. Jacqueline provides individual consulting and mentoring, runs feminine vitality yoga and Ayurveda retreats, and offers a six-month online embodied wisdom immersion designed to support women in falling in love with and integrating into their lives the habits that create balanced living and naturally balanced hormones. And her website is livingayurveda.com dot com dot au will put all of her links in the show notes so after our interview you can go research and check her out and definitely get connected with her so thank you Jacqueline it was just beautiful just to even read that because it felt like so nourishing just even reading your bio so thank you just oh, thank for the work you. that you do and I just want to tell listeners the reason I wanted to have you on and invite you on early in the year I was either going to have you at the end of the year or just at the start of the year because I have read so many of your blogs and I just want to like love on you at the moment and say <laughs> you share like with so much depth on this free medium and I have changed so many of my habits just by reading your blog. Like I, I don't know if I've like messaged you back to tell you <laughs> just to show my appreciation, but um, you know, we met at a women's circle and so we had minimal contact in that. Like everybody goes around the circle and shares and we had like a, um, a past client of mine, Prasanna, who then I also went to to work with as a client because I was wowed with her work, and she's been on a guest. Uh, she's been a guest on the podcast talking about the womb and our feminine vitality and all of that. And so you were in that space too, and I was like, whenever I looked at you, like this woman is glowing. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> and then just to hear your story that you had, you know, an early menopause, and it kind of you dove into this body of work even more because of a personal struggle that you had and you had to heal. So mm. I feel like maybe if we can start with this whole thing of our overscheduled lives and the fact that sometimes coming off Christmas and the holiday season, like even if like my Muslim listeners, they might not celebrate Christmas, but if, if you live in the Southern Hemisphere or you live in a country where it's that rush to the end of the year and then you go on break, but you still feel like, 
you're coming off the fumes <laughs> of that holiday season. Um, can you just share maybe what we can do to just get back to balance from what mm-hmm. you've observed, what you do for yourself and maybe, yeah, just give us some tips and then we'll dive into your story more as well. Oh, but sure I just feel more. like to give it to them now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like right in. Gosh. I mean, and that's such a big topic, isn't it? And it's, um, you know, there's an endemic of uh, pushing and striving and being busy. Of course, that glorification of busy, it's like it needs to be chucked out the window. Um, and I feel it too, that spiralling into the faster uh, energy as we get to the end of the year. I mean, it, it happens every year and it's a very conscious choice of mine to step back from it and not get pulled in. I mean, I enjoy the, you know, the festivities and the the connection and the fun of the festive season, but there's something as you alluded to, just so interesting about that end of year pull that spins us out more away from ourselves and into um, the, the societal storm of busy and, you know, doing and and that is such a big thing that does. It's one of those hidden, what I call a hidden cause of imbalanced hormones because it's not something that we go, you know, oh, if you do this, your hormones will get imbalanced or you'll, you know, you'll, you'll become imbalanced. But it's absolutely one of the hidden causes that, you know, we live in such a masculine society that's all goal-driven and striving and outward performance and recognition for what we do rather than who we are. Mm-hmm. And so those you know, to answer the question, they're, they're coming back to ourselves. And it takes weeks often for our nervous system to really just settle right down because our bodies are very, very good at dealing with stress. They're, you know, we're designed to um, survive certain levels of stress from our evolution and um, it's stress becomes a little bit like the frog in slowly warming cooking water. You know, it's like our bodies deal with it and deal with it and deal with it. And it just becomes really familiar that we don't notice that we're still under stress. And then the stress heightens. And by stress, I'm talking about primarily the hormone cortisol. Yes. Because that's like our main stress hormone. And, and it gets to the point where it's just, this is normal living under this level of go and stress and overthinking and being switched on and, you know, having being in that mm, sympathetic nervous system response of fight and flight or freeze and appease even. It's just like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Mm. And so oh, that's, you know, holidays are such a gift, aren't they? A time. Yeah, to- just to not even have like, because my kids are in that, you know, primary school phase I've got three boys and it's even just not having to do school pickup and drop off like I know it's like sometimes the kitchen's like a restaurant like mommy can I have this and mommy can I have that and there's that level of chaos (laughs) but the fact that I don't have to be somewhere at a certain time that in itself is a celebration it's like I'm liking this change of routine what a gift yeah (laughs) I know and you know I kind of remember where I heard your story about you getting on your bike and going to teach yoga. But could you tell us that story of it's like your turning point where you were like, I need to do something to Mm. change the situation. Like your like story of like stress, like in your face where you could see, cause you had some like a panic attack or something on the side of the road. Like I I kind of remember where I heard that, but I just Mm. so relate to what you were saying. And I could feel that probably other women are going through something similar, even if it's not at the same degree that you went through, but Mm. that because you went through that journey, you have so much wisdom to share Mm. with us about Mm. how stress has this cascading effect on the body and it just has this domino effect. Could you maybe tell us that story of how you, yeah, came into that knowing something's got to change? Absolutely. I um I can think of two scenarios because there's the bike one where I just was recognizing because I used to ride my bike a lot. It's like I was trying to stay fit. I'd ride, you know, from the family home to teaching yoga and and I was you know feeling quite bloated and that was affecting my breathing and I was conscious that I'd been putting on weight and so I was trying to, you know, just <laughs> oh, yeah, everything wasn't working. How old were you at that time? Were you like 40, 41, okay, you know, that kind of time? My kids, you know, would have been about, oh, what's, um, yeah, it's about, it's almost 10 years ago. So, um, you know, six and Ooh, eight great. or nine. So, you know, in the thick of it. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking, 
I need to do less to, you know, be able to slow down and to let my nervous system rest. And so I stopped. I actually gave myself permission, which was a really hard thing to do, to drive to teach yoga rather than. (laughs) Get on the bike. Yeah, and, it's like, ooh, you know, look at yoga teachers coming in her car. It's like almost <laughs> like we think they're going to judge us or something. It's like, yeah, she's yeah. Yoga, she's driving a car to yoga. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, that I remember that being a real turning point of giving myself permission. And at that time, I was very blessed to come um, across my mentor in women's health, Dr. Claudia Welsh. And she, I did many uh, mentorship um, rounds with her where we went through case studies and discussed as a practitioner group, which was so valuable. And I really remember her saying, you know, to to lose weight, you have to slow down, do less exercise and eat pudding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that were her words, you know. And but you British, know it was true. British or American? American. Mm. I got her book after you had oh, mentioned her brilliant. resource. It was at the library and I was like, I just got it. Mm. just to go through but so so that was in your frame of reference yeah it was like again that permission of actually we are in the west here we think that you know not that this is all about weight loss but you know there is that thing of oh if I'm putting on weight I have to do more I have to push on I have to exercise more I have to push myself more whereas actually that's just perpetuating that stress response which holds on to um, weight and then that other scenario you alluded to when I had a panic attack and it wasn't I wasn't even running late I was you know that doing mode rushing mode the getting on to the next thing and the next thing and multitasking and multi-thinking had become so much my default way of being that I was I was driving to meet a friend and I wasn't even running late as I said and and then I was just starting you know the shallow breathing and my palms getting sweaty and I just you know felt this panic attack come over me which I'd never had before and um, I had to pull over and that was absolutely the oh my God, kind of, you know, moment of I have become so far removed to my center, my heart, my groundedness, and all of the the habits that I knew about in Ayurveda, but had forgotten to do, especially when my kids were young. And I poured so much into mothering and giving to them and, you know, keeping the family and the house all together. And uh, I got really depleted. And that's what that looked like. And in Ayurvedic terms, that's what's called high vata, which is the same as saying high cortisol. So a lot of wind energy stirring everything up and affecting lots of thoughts. Lots of thoughts, terrible insomnia, um, hot flushes at that time as well, Uh, the anxiety, the bloating, a bit of weight gain. So it was a perfect perimenopause storm, but I didn't even realise it because I was like 41 at the time (laughs) when I talked to my mum and so I was like, when did you go through menopause, mum? And she was like, oh, you know, 43, something like that. Oh, so that was pretty young. She was early too, whereas my sister who's 18 months older, you know, she's now 50. And she's still, you know, just slowly winding up. So everyone is individual and everyone is different and has a very different, you know, experience of menopause um, and perimenopause. And it really is how we're living before we get to that point that mostly determines. That's possibly when my heart like was like, oh, Jackie, Jackie just said something like really important. I had heard you say that somewhere else is everything leading up to menopause mm-hmm. determines what your menopause journey would be like. So it's like, if you're like over 35, you better start listening people. Yeah, that's <laughs> so it because it is at that around about 35, our progesterone naturally declines, which isn't a problem because that's a natural thing. But the thing is, Progesterone is like the mother of all hormones. She's the multitasking woman hormone that will go, you know, if there's a job that needs to be done in the body, she's like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll jump in. And and a lot of the time it's when there is that high cortisol and if our adrenals that produce most of our cortisol get tired out, if they're having to be pumping it out 24-7 to maintain the management of that level of stress, then it gets tired out and it calls out for help and it asks well, progesterone is the one that comes in line because progesterone, she's like a shapeshifter. She can turn herself into the building blocks for cortisol. So, I mean, progesterone naturally declines at age 35, but if there is the demand for more cortisol, there's lots of stress in our life, then it's going to be siphoning off even more progesterone and turn it into cortisol. So that's, you know, that's a big... You, were such, you know, you're like the 
hormone storyteller or something. I have never <laughs> heard hormones being yeah articulated quite like that. That is beautiful, Jack. Like that, like the fact I can like you personified the hormone to me. I was like, I can imagine her. And I can imagine that she'll go in to save, you know. Just like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it and I'll be yeah. Can't say no. Can't say no. The problem worse. Oh my mm. goodness. Okay. And can I tell you a little, another bit of story? Because the lead on of that is like progesterone is our holding container. It's like it holds the placenta in place when we're pregnant so we can go full term. It helps our bone density, our lustrous of our skin and our hair helps balance blood sugars. You know, progesterone's got a lot of its own important roles to do. And one of the major ones is that it helps to keep estrogen in check. So if there's enough progesterone, it will stop in a woman whose tendency is to grow excess estrogen, it'll stop estrogen from getting too high. And if a woman's tendency is to have low estrogen, it will, again, become the building blocks to support building estrogen. So it really is the leveler of estrogen. So when, do we want to have, what, what do we want it to be in our bodies? So what happens to estrogen when we're aging and we're over 35? Does it that drop to start declining, okay. but there's a big but because yeah. there's everyone. Excess estrogen is not good, right? I've heard totally. about that. So yes. what do we want it to be for us to feel like we've got beautiful, like healthy skin and, you know, our, our, our hair is healthy and, and the mm-hmm. eye, you know, you can see like the light in your eyes kind of thing. What do we want it to be? Yeah, so we want our estrogen to be the building, nourishing, juicy, feminine hormone that it is for us but we don't want it to you know I mean just before I go on to that I'll say you know having enough estrogen as we age is really important because it protects our heart it keeps our brain kind of lubricated juicy um, keeps our tissues and joints so a common um, scenario in in menopause if estrogen is low is getting really achy like inflamed um, joints or you know inflamed heart even and so However, if progesterone is busy taking care of stress, estrogen can go too high and then that becomes really dangerous because estrogen feeds growth in the body. So things like fibroids, tumours, breast cancers, endometriosis, heavy bleeding, so excess, that's what too much estrogen can do and that's, you know, that becomes very difficult for many women. So even going through menopause, a woman might suddenly get heavier bleeding and it's often there's a genetic tendency to have more estrogen or she's simply got higher estrogen because the progesterone's become so low. So it might, you know, if, the, if she had a test, it would go, oh, no, your estrogen's in the normal range, but it's high in relation to low progesterone and that's what makes all the difference. Right. Okay, so Jess, so you're talking about there. estrogen. My little one just walked in. It's school holidays, everybody. <laughs> He's left the door open, so I'm just going to adjust that. So... I love how like our our whole body is like an ecosystem and it's like when one member is not doing too well, someone else will go to compensate for that member not able being able to do their job and then one's taking the load and then it upsets the apple cart and it gets us out of whack. Then We're not feeling connected and centered and grounded because all these things are kind of, um, yeah, not, I guess, they're not doing their purpose I feel it's yeah. just like they get pushed into a different role we mm. feel out of sorts and ungrounded so I'm, I'm a true believer in that our body I mean amazing ecosystem all these systems working together for health and I believe our body is geared to health and yet you know for different reasons and another and different times and you know the, these we become imbalanced but you know learning what our bodies need through the different uh, stages and changes of our lives can help us to, you know, maintain yeah. as much balance as possible. And Jack, like, you know how we were talking about purpose, you mm-hmm. had, I, I can't remember, maybe I, because I was such a like avid reader of your blog, I think I scrolled all the way to the back where you told your, like, your origin story of how you even came into this work and found your purpose doing this. But it was like some sort of a, like, you waitressing or something at someone's cafe and then you were very ill 
And not very ill, luckily. Not very ill. I had eczema. I was, I was about 19 years old. My first job out of school was working this fantastic cafe in Adelaide in the CBD, um, an organic whole food kind of cafe. Yeah. And the woman who ran that knew about Ayurveda. And so I had eczema on my hands um, and my arms. And she was like, ah, oh, you should go. You could go and see these, these Ayurvedic doctors. And there's some, there were at that time, I mean, this is what, 19... <laughs> Two <laughs> long time ago. Um, brilliant Ayurvedic doctors, and there still are in Adelaide. Um, so I saw them, and everything they said made sense to me. It really planted a seed. Um, but, you know, I was 21, I wasn't ready to do it. Um, and then I went traveling, and then I came back. And I've always been interested in bodies and, you know, the human body and watching dance. I played a lot of sport when I was younger and um, just interested. So I knew I wanted to study some natural medicine of some sort after my travels. And I remembered the Ayurvedic people and they had a wonderful college here. So a full, four-year full-time course here in, in Ayurveda. And so you started that. that at what, 20-something? You went um, 21, 22. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you did the travel, came back and you're like, that's what I'm going to study. How yeah. did, was it just like a body knowing? You just knew that's what I'm going to do because you were interested and it had healed you of yeah. eczema? It had it had healed me of that eczema, and I did have another really weird. That's probably what you remember reading too. Um, condition that the doctors didn't know about, ah, and it wasn't, that's what it, it wasn't was, like yes. I was really unwell, but I had these sores on my body. This I've still got little scars on my arm, and they look like kind of chicken pot scars. So there were these funny little um, itchy spots, and we're like, is it mites? Is it you know, some kind of psoriasis or eczema and, and, and it was nothing. And the doctors wanted to put me on cortisol and they took photos of me at the hospital because it's like we never seen anything yes, like that. Yes, I remember seeing that. I'm like, she was a specimen. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and anyway, you know, what it was, well, Ayurveda um, to tell, you know, could label it as was rakta pitta, which means heat, toxic heat in the blood. Too much heat, so yeah. it's now coming through the skin. Exactly, it had to... and some people get like blood noses, but for me it was coming out of the skin and mostly the torso, which is kind of where the central you know, heat of the body is. Oh. Um, fascinating. So I started my study in Ayurveda and they were, you know, then I learned, I was like, oh, yeah, there's too much toxicity in my blood. It's like, you know, growing up, the only thing, you know, I mean, my digestion was really poor, really. I would be doubled over in pain as a teenager and it was just wind, poor digestion, bloating, wind. And it's amazing how painful that can be because, you know, some people even feel like they're having a heart attack, you know, the pain down the left arm, the chest pain, and it's all pressure from the gut impacting the diaphragm, can't breathe properly, makes the chest tight. And, you know, people go to hospital because they're worried they're having a heart attack and it's actually really acute indigestion. Indigestion. Is it because of like either wrong combos of food, all sorts of things? And for me, it was a lot of like skipping meals. And if I left a long gap in between meals, then I would always have pain. And luckily that doesn't happen anymore. It's become balanced and rhythmic and, you know, the agni, my digestive power, strength is strong. So agni for anybody who doesn't know is the fire, it's called fire or your digestive fire? Yeah, exactly. Agni means fire and it's the power of our digestion. Yeah, and I know, like I learned so much just from reading your blogs and listening to your little clips that you had in your Facebook group once. I think we were going through like what you can do to activate that fire in the morning so that like the body's ready to digest Mm. first meal. Yeah. Um, and you talk about like there's so many tips and tricks, guys. Like you have to go <laughs> range at stuff online. And what I love about it is that you tell us the why. So sometimes most Ayurvedic practitioners, like when I've gone to like read stuff, they give a very like holistic sort of approach and they'll tell you the big story. But I find that you almost have like another angle, like a scientific approach, and you go and tell us why this is happening or how they're connected. And I always appreciate mm. the depth that you bring I'm, I really you know, oh, I can change because I know why and she's telling me why and I have enough like um enough knowledge to make it like a commitment like oh whoa she's like this is serious yeah. <laughs> you know and so I'm, I'm just I'm really passionate about helping people to understand their own bodies so that they can make choices in their life that are aligned with what their nature needs what their you know elemental makeup needs so yeah. I, I'm you know 
I think I've always been passionate about just sharing knowledge and empowering others so that they can, you know, live well and stay well. And And I just came off a class uh, this morning before this interview and the teacher there, she was saying, you know, most people listen to their cars more in, in, in depth and like with more passion than they even listen to their own bodies. Like they go, Oh, this sound doesn't sound right. It's not my normal engine sound. And they go, Oh, okay. We're going to have to do something about it because this, if I don't act on it, if I don't get onto it, it's going to blow up or it's going to get worse. Whereas if we just use, take our body as a vehicle and your body has a particular constitution, it's a particular engine, it's a diesel engine. You don't go and put gas in it. Or you don't put petrol <laughs> oh, good in analogy. Yes. And that's like, I feel like with you, um, with the Ayurvedic um, philosophies and, you know, whether you're Vata, Pitta or Kapha or like all these, you know, different constitutions, if you start to understand your body type and you know what foods actually match your constitution the engine works better your digestive fire works better it cranks it up and then you have more fuel it's like more vitality right (laughs) so that's what we're trying to get to with the digestive side and I feel like you know everybody's like oh like we want to do our purpose and we want to give and contribute but then we forget that this system which you know some people think oh the body is just the body but it's like if the vehicle isn't working correctly, you can't do your purpose Yeah, because you're tired all the time or you're sluggish and you've got foggy brain and Mm. uh, you're cranky. (laughs) Absolutely. What you're sharing makes me think of the, the two, you know, sister sciences of yoga and Ayurveda. And yeah, ultimately the, the purpose of, Yoga is enlightenment, like to know ourselves deeply, to create union of our spirit and our body and our mind and, you know, create samadhi or enlightenment. And yet we can't go there if we've got a headache, if we've got a gut ache, if we've got sore muscles or inflamed joints. And and that's where the sister science of Ayurveda comes in to teach us how to, you know, I, I th- kind of call it having a body 101. It's like you right. know, Ayurveda, yeah. it's like the joining the dots of cause and effect. It's like, what do I, if I do this, how do I feel? It's like uh, learning how to really respond um, to the choices we make and then, you know, the effect that they have in our body. And, yeah. and yeah, I really- love one of the tips you shared, like using a tongue scraper. Like I learned that from you and I went and bought a tongue scraper and you said, if you scrape your tongue and you get this whitish, you know, mucky kind of thing in the morning, yeah. you know, your digestion struggling. Like there's a lot of ama or toxins Mm. probably in your diet and then the more you clean up your diet you'll find that it disappears or you don't get that and it's it's like plaque you know like it's it's just this layer on the tongue and I find that it's so what I love about it is it's so practical and it's Mm. obvious it's like you see it or you don't see it (laughs) and it's like I feel like there's this element of wow like we say subhanallah in Arabic it's like glory be to God (laughs) is what I see and I was like oh my goodness, like what I put in is having a direct impact. And if I stop doing that, this is the outcome. And I feel like that gives you that self-efficacy to go, I can do this. Like it's a direct impact of like, I caused that (laughs) by, you know, restraint or taking stuff off. And was it you, Jack, who said like, okay, if you are trying to give up coffee, we we might get to the coffee thing because I feel like a lot of my listeners are probably on the whole it's either chai or coffee and we, we can have addictions to these things because it's just become a habit and it's just what we've always done. And funnily enough, like I thought, okay, January 1st came along. I know that like I was really inflamed. I could feel it. Like my face felt like bloated. Everything mm-hmm. felt inflamed. I felt ugly. Like you kind of know that something's off, like something wasn't right. And I felt like it was the accumulation of either like my system had got too acidic yeah. And the coffee probably was part of that. And then I probably read some of your emails and I was like, I think I got to like, give up something. And what I did was, cause I'm Sri Lankan by background. And so we have a tradition of Ayurveda and everything yeah. in, you know, and I only migrated to Australia when I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So uh, breakfasts and like, even if you go to a hotel and you stay there for a holiday at the buffet, you'll have something called Kanda. And candor is the porridge, like like the dark green leafy vegetables turned into a porridge. And then they'll grate or give you some pieces of jaggery 
nice. um, as the so I thought okay how can I make my breakfast yummy so that I don't crave the coffee and like what's my replacement for coffee because yeah. I didn't do mud water or a mushroom elixir or anything it was just like let's if I just have something yummy then I probably don't need the coffee it was like the coffee was like a treat in the morning mm. and that was so yummy because I did the it was mung beans and uh semolina um with a bit bit of coconut milk and some spices and I just grated some jaggery top and that, that's been just so nourishing and I know you talk about mung beans being a really good eliminator like it pulls out the bad stuff with it so I felt I could see that my skin had cleared like just in three days of just not having coffee that's so a I could yeah. And it's not, you know, I don't like to be hard and fast about things unless someone's in a really dire straits. Yeah, but, you know, it's like, let's, let's get aware of what's, what's, as again, you know, taking responsibility, yes. having that ability to respond to what we're putting in. And, yes. and some people with more earth element can, you know, coffee can be really beneficial to them in the right amount. I mean, of course. Because it's a bitter food. A day because can because be, of the bitterness of coffee. Yeah, it's, it's bitterness, but it's the stimulation that they often need because the earth element's quite heavy yeah, and stable and slow and that, you know, needs things that, you know, build energy and fire it and warm Whereas it up. I'm probably already fire. You're already fast. <laughs> and I had a coffee on New Year's Day at a friend's breakfast and, they, you know, that had been the first one I'd had in like a year because I know it doesn't suit me. It just And I was, they were asking me questions and I was going, whoa, a million miles an hour. And I'm just like, well, I can really feel the coffee in my <laughs> <laughs> this is not the normal Jack. This is like not Jack that it was even faster because I'm also already quite fast. And um, it's like, whoo, okay, this is why I don't do that. And it messes up with my digestion as well. You know, yeah. it takes a few days for everything to settle again. I, I am, I've had friends to uh, describe me like a Ferrari. It's just like, you know, fine tuning and subtle and like things will knock me out of balance really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so if someone feels that they might have an intuitive awareness that perhaps mm. the coffee or whatever the caffeinated drinks are causing some sort of upset mm. how would you sort of counsel someone to mm. move away from that even because I know that you run cleanses you do like mm. a group sort of cleanse at twice yeah. a year right You've yeah, got- usually autumn and spring are the traditional Ayurvedic times to do a cleanse as the body's yeah. preparing to shift out of one season and into another yeah. um, so that tends to be when I do them and you know I, I like to focus on more of what we're bringing in than what we're yes. trying to let go of because yeah. our prana or life force energy or chi if prana follows our focus so if we're focusing on I'm not having that I'm not going to do that anymore I'm not it's it creates you know this negative feedback loop of deprivation and and desire because we're still thinking about it so it's like well can we focus on what we're doing instead like whether it's a green smoothie or a juice or a you know even shifting from coffee to black tea especially yeah. for someone who's so accustomed to the caffeine and it might have headaches or you know constipation without those stimulants and so you know just modulating slowly so the body can adjust yeah um, and oh, something. And I feel like about. that's really compassionate. You're not trying oh, to be yeah. too um, rigid or, yeah, like do something too sudden for your body. You're just saying, hey, mm. I, I feel like you need some help here, but how can I help? And just giving yeah. you just a little bit of help in that department to just allow you to reset yourself, even if it, if you're doing it for a week or 10 days or whatever. And then yeah. mm. once you're And to notice the difference like, like you did even after yeah. three days, um, just to see the difference. And then it's like, well, it's not that you don't ever have those things, but I often recommend clients to enjoy their coffee on the weekend. Yeah. But, you know, we often, I see this a lot, we reach for substances to keep us going because we're already down. Right, and, and it's at that time when our you know, nervous system is a bit strung out and our energy is low that um, we least can handle those sort of substances because our system's already a bit low. So yes, it stimulates us, but it has often more of a negative effect. And again, it depends on the individual, how much they're having. So it's also inviting in how else can I find that 
what I'm looking for that I use this substance for, whether it's coffee or cigarettes or, you know, anything that can yeah. become a negative, crutch. yeah, like a crutch. It. That's right. And it's yeah. like, well, what is it trying to, what am I trying to achieve with this? How else can I get it? And often there's an underlying need that's not being met. I mean, classically, more rest. Wow. What we need, sometimes hydration or stabilizing our blood sugars so we don't crave chocolate at 3 or 4 p.m. each day, um, you know, and that time frame of 3, 4 p.m. is that Vata wind energy time where we kind of need grounding and stabilizing and hydrating, but that's often when we reach for the coffee or the um, chocolate to keep going at that time, whereas really maybe taking 10 minutes to just pause and close our eyes and become grounded again in ourselves yeah. is enough. Yeah. And then we can move through that day with more consciousness and mindfulness to the next stage of what we have to be doing without yeah. winding ourselves up more and more because then, yeah. of course, sleep becomes impacted and, as you mentioned, the body becomes more acidic. It might affect our skin, our joints, our lymphatic system. Yeah. And to tie it in with hormones, you know, the liver gets really heated and, often congested um, with coffee as well. And the liver is so important in terms of processing and removing excess estrogen from our system too. Yes. And supporting uh, good digestion. Yeah. And you recently wrote an article, I think about the gallbladder as well yeah. and bile and like what helps the gallbladder. So I feel like in your blogs and just in your body of work, you highlight different systems in the body. And what it does for me as a reader, it just makes me appreciate the system even more and love on it and go oh out of love I would not want to do this to you like or I want to give you what it needs and I feel like it's that universal love of that that organ it's like you appreciate how much it does for you because it's the stuff you can't see right you you don't see the liver yeah. like you see your face or the skin on your face but it's kind of trying to communicate to you through these things that are more visual to go I'm really mm. struggling please help. And then I feel like you're like this detective who says, if this is happening over here on your face, this is probably what's happening under the surface. And then it gets you curious and it gets you wanting to learn. And then it's like either, you know, come for a consult or come and, you know, join one of the groups that you have, Jack. And I love how you even like you take women away on retreats, right? Mm -hmm. Tell us maybe how, like what you found, like the, the themes that come up in those retreats when women are in circle with you because obviously you've got both you've got the yoga and the ayurveda background and obviously there's healthy meals are they plant-based usually when people go yes away? they are okay. plant-based vegetarian yeah, um, yeah sometimes you know. are the thematics like when people are in circle with you and they're sharing yeah uh, maybe you could share with us like who is drawn to those spaces and what's going on in the collective consciousness of the women who come together mm. like that it's you. it's really interesting and I've probably run about 16 or 17 retreats over the last seven years and it's they all have their own little theme but there is often this common thread and um, you know, often that common thread is coming home to ourselves wow. and, you know, really coming back to our hearts and trusting our intuition, which is our quietest small voice inside that's always just like our body, you know, you were describing is trying to communicate with us through our different systems, um, our intuition, our heart, our, you know, inner knowing is trying to speak to us as well. But often we get too busy to outward in the world, to up in our head, to hear the quiet voice inside. So a lot of the retreats are, you know, both through our yoga, through meditation, through sharing um, is is all generally themed around coming back to ourselves and trusting yeah. our intuition. And yeah, and I love that. Like this podcast is called Your Truth is Calling. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, yeah, when we're going through particularly difficult phases in our lives of transitions, whether relationships are transitioning out of our lives or new yeah. people coming into our lives, it's still like it increases the complexity because it's not only just us. Now we're like in communion with the other. And then there's times where we either maybe we're not speaking up or whatever, and even that can cause stress yes. because we're holding something in and not mm. voicing it. And that can come out as sometimes skin trouble or rashes or stress. Definitely. Um, and I feel like, I guess Ayurveda has this way of 
just getting to the root of it and just trying to balance your systems out so that the body can naturally get to a state of balance, isn't it? Because it always knows. Um, and all, it's these, just all these things are in the way. Yeah, and all these wonderful systems overlapping and, you know, working yeah. together. And there's this a favourite word of mine in, in Ayurveda called prajnaparada, which means crimes against wisdom. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious, you know. Wisdom. I love it. Ayurveda is like 5,000 plus years old and, you know, they studied nature and they studied what it is to be human, to have a physical body. And, I mean, it's not just a physical body. We're physical, we're emotional, we're mental, we're spiritual, we're energetic. And and they recognise that, yeah, we'll, we'll make choices that we know are not right for us. But then, you know, so the crimes against nature, you know, whether it's pushing on when we're tired, whether it's saying yes when our body's saying, no, I don't want to do that, whether it's um, not speaking up, whether it's overeating or skipping a meal, you know, there's so many ways we can you know, commit what they call the crimes against nature. But I think, again, it's not to be hard on ourselves, but it'd be to first notice and be compassionate and be curious about, ah, oh, what, what's really going on here deep, yeah. deep in myself, in my truth, in that yeah. you know, heart space. And what would you say to, I mean, for us, if, if our listeners are mostly Australian and we're in mm-hmm. summer, what would you categorize as late summer? Would late summer be more February in terms of timing or? Yeah, gosh, like these days it's, you know, it's I, I reckon it's all shifting. Yeah. So I would say late summer is even late March because wow. it's still like the last few years it's been hot into May you know, late April, May. So even though the nights start to be cooler, we're shifting into the Vata stage, which is the wind autumn energy, whereas the summer is the heat and it's the the fire energy. Um, And, you know, one of the most classic Ayurvedic tenets is that like increases like, and okay. opposites create balance. So if we know that, you know, for example, I've got a lot of the fire energy, it will naturally increase during summer because that's the same energy. So light, yes. you know, the hot is summer is like <laughs> fire and I have plenty of that already. So for anyone, the fire increases over summertime the, and, and that's when we want to dump that at the end of summer as we do an autumn cleanse as we're shifting right. to the next season. We dump the accumulations of the previous season to move cleanly, more clearly um, into the next one. Yeah, just like weeding a garden, yeah. preparing the garden beds for the new season. It's like you do that with your body so you're not taking old toxicity yeah. or accumulation or yeah. stagnancy and you're not allowed to start fresh if you do that. No. So that's where because the cleanses come in. When we, Yeah, exactly. And if we don't dump, then we might get more coughs and colds, more congestion, more you know, inflammation and, you know, problems in the wintertime. And yeah. then, you know, move from winter into spring, another golden opportunity to remove the accumulations of winter, the heaviness. And would you say that someone working on their digestion is key then? When, because when we came out of like COVID season and there's still COVID going around. And I I know for myself as well, I get hay fever usually in the springtime. And then I can, I even talking to you now, I I can find myself getting a bit nasal Mm -hmm. as well. So I know that I'm fighting something with like mucus and, and that sort of stuff. What would you say to people who are kind of fighting some sort of a respiratory thing? Is it still to do with the gut or are there other things they can do? Because I feel like that'll help people in general with just, general coughs and colds it mm, it's it's a, it, uh, several several factors so gut definitely i mean whenever if our digestion is not working well then we're digestion digestion and elimination you know they're tied together so if our if, if even if we're putting in the most amazing homegrown organic food if we're stressed, we're not going to digest it very well. Yes. Um, if we're eating irregularly or at irregular times, because our bodies are very rhythmic. So living in the rhythm of nature, of our nature, you know, we're not meant to be eating at 2 a.m. We're meant to be eating at, you know, 1 p.m. Our biggest yeah. meal, that's when the sun is at its peak. Our digestive fire is at its peak. So we are a part of nature and living in rhythm of nature is a very big part of staying well. So if we're not from various different reasons, digesting whatever we put in well, whether it's poor quality or good quality food, we're creating, you mentioned the word before, AMA, A-M-A. It just means poorly digested food sludge that 
gunks up our system. And ideally, we eliminate most of it every day if we are accumulating some armor. But as we age, all of us, it will sneak into our system. We hold on to more of it. Yeah, it will will just lodge itself into our weak spots, which could be different for everyone. For some, it might affect their sinuses, their lungs. For others, it will go into the joints or the liver or the skin or, you know, it depends on the individual. So, yes, absolutely, digestion to help with coughs and colds is is key because, of course, building or having good nourishment from good digestion builds good immunity as well. Yeah. But then if we are susceptible to hay fever, hay fever is a bit of a classic. It's usually excess heat creating overreactivity in the body. So the pitta, the fire energy, people tend to get more hay fever than the other body type. So you could systemically address that. There's... um, the neti, which is like warm the neti pipes, <laughs> water in through the nostril and out the other side to clean and cleanse the sinuses can help, followed by nausea, which is medicated or herbalized oil. nostril oil. Um, wow. And even, I mean, whether it's the medicated nostril oil, I often recommend, you know, so many of us work in air, con- air conditioned environments, whether it's heating or cooling, we're constantly with this air blowing on us and it dries out our mucous membranes. So taking a little bottle of almond oil, coconut oil, and just applying a little bit into our nostrils, into our ears, into these openings that are in contact with the air, the external environment, protects our these pathogens and these yep yeah because we need our mucous membranes to be a little bit moist to to trap pathogens but if they're drying out a lot then the pathogens get in more and we become again either unwell or overreactive so keeping those areas lubricated can really help as well oh that's beautiful and i also remember like maybe it was on your blog or your facebook group when we were, uh, you were probably doing a lead up to a cleanse or something and you shared this apple stewed apple recipe. I, I did that. I remember with the ghee for breakfast and it was so beautiful because you were talking about the benefits of, was it pectin? That's an apple. Yeah. Um, and I just noticed that like the stuff that you've shared, there's just, they're actually quite simple to do or the way you share it. It's like, oh, you can do this. It's like, oh, yeah, of course I can do that. I, I can try it. I have got apples. <laughs> Let me just try doing this when I've never really had that for breakfast before. Mm. And it's an easy way to digest. And it, it, it had that little bit of sweetness and mm. the ghee on top as well with the spices. It was just beautiful. Like I felt like that breakfast was giving me a warm hug. And I, beautiful. yeah, I just wanted to just thank you for the way you share things to make it accessible. Because even if someone hasn't had a lot of, I mean, oh, like if you're Sri Lankan background, you sometimes like just know these things through common sense. Like people will go, oh, yeah, you don't mix fruit and dairy, <laughs> but we do that in the West. Yes, we <laughs> like do. we just know these things or that, that you, you hear it in our vernacular, like, oh, that's cooling for you. Don't do, don't drink that at night. Yeah, you'll get a cold. Like <laughs> it's it's just like whereas here we we love iced water and bubbly iced water. There's ice in everything and yeah, and so weak in our digestion. Yeah, it's that it'll be a crime against wisdom <laughs> yeah. if you're that it's like a but, some auntie yeah. character or some even the maid will just say, "Oh my god, like why are you doing that?" And they call you Baba or baby. <laughs> or like a nanny character like looking after the kids like they just know it and it's yeah. not that they it's just been wonderful on generational wisdom as an oral tradition mm-hmm. yeah so oh Jackie I just want I can't believe it it's, it's like already an hour I'm like, <laughs> how did that happen <laughs> but is there any sort of final words when you come to think of hormones in general and what we can do to just yeah, get back to that centered space. Is there any final words you'd like to share before maybe giving us an invitation to if anything's coming up and we're posting this in January, if there's anything special coming up in in the business world in your offerings, feel free to share that as well. Okay, thank you. Women want to find you. Well, I just think it's so important that we, we all prioritize ourselves and um, perhaps another theme that often comes up in my retreats is, you know, how or even one-on-one with my workings and I work primarily with women, not only, but the guilt, the guilt of doing things for ourselves of saying yes to ourselves, the, the shadow of it feeling selfish to put yourself first. And I think this is gradually changing in our society that women are, you know, taking care of themselves. But um, like you're saying, we'll, we'll take care of the car more than we'll listen to our own body. <laughs> 
we, we as women, we do tend to prioritize taking care of others more than ourselves. And, you know, there's times in our lives, like when my kids were young and I did that and I did that too much and became imbalanced. But, you know, how, how can we through these busy times of life maintain that well, connection to ourselves and what we need and prioritizing, even if it is just, you know, walking for me, walking in nature, being in green spaces. My yoga practice is such a grounding, you know, force. Um, meditation, you know, for me, that one always comes and goes. It's yeah. <laughs> something I love and life is always better when I do it, but it often slips away. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like walking becomes my meditation. And I'd right. never plug in. If I'm walking, yeah. I'm just walking and just listening, listening to the sounds to the of nature or the breathe. crunch under your feet, the leaves. Yeah. So unplugging, so important. And and we really often need to prioritize our sleep, our rhythm. So, you know, in in a lot of what I teach, I teach about the four pillars, what I call the four pillars of hormone balance, which is living in rhythm with nature, managing stress. Um, and doing the little things that we can to either mitigate stress, you know, not be that frog in the slowly boiling water uh, and and delegate, like, you know, actually say what we want for ourselves and delegate other than taking it all on. Maybe that's just me, but you know, I see it a lot. Um, yeah. So the stress management, uh, digestion, of course, is key to building nourishment and supporting good hormone growth. But then that fourth pillar really is the, the coming back to ourselves, being at home, giving, again, as I said, prana, life force energy follows our focus. So my meditations, I like to visualize being in my heart, in the garden of my heart or sitting in the womb space or growing roots down into the earth because a lot of the time our energy is up and out and yeah. it's like, okay, now I'm going to bring it in and down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might only take a few minutes. You can do it sitting in the car waiting for the kids when you pick them up instead of listening to the radio or scrolling on the phone. It's like, actually, I'm just going to wind the chair back a little bit and close my eyes and feel my feet growing, you know, down into the earth and feel the connection to the earth energy, which is steady and slow and grounding rather than the mind energy, which is, you know, up and out and erratic. So these are the little things I think that we can do to, you know, build more connection with ourselves to that inner voice, our truth, our calling and, and to nourish our own, you know, physical body as well. Thank you, Jack. That was beautiful. It just summed up everything. And so um, if you feel yeah, like call to like book a consultation with Jack or anything like all of the links to how to get in touch with her will be in the show notes of this episode. Uh, I just want to thank you, Jack, just for sharing so beautifully. And I just learned so much just even how you share. I feel like you've got a unique, distinct way of sharing Ayurveda that like I haven't seen in many teachers before. Like I feel like my body resonates with how you teach and I love being around you. So just thank you for sharing that wisdom with all of our listeners. And yeah, um, enjoy the rest of your summer. And I'm sure if people are not in our hemisphere, (laughs) they're going through something different. Yes, yes. Pay attention to the season that you're in. And I feel like we also have our own season in like a lifespan of where we are, like whether you have small children in your life right now or you're single. Different stages. Yeah, or you're taking care of an aging parent, like you're Mm. in different seasons. Mm. So just to be aware of that and um, to be compassionate with yourself. May I mention, I do have um, coming up in the next few weeks, I'll be sharing more about uh, my six-month immersion, which will be starting um, this year again. And it used to be... when's that starting, Jack? Like what month do you have a date? February. Yeah, February. Okay, 2024. Yep. Yeah. And it used to be like a nine-week course or an eight-week course and called Embodied Wisdom. And I've just, it was, you know, really popular, but... Uh, the feedback I got was there's so much information and it's kind of over so quickly and we're still <laughs> wanting to take it on. And it's like, I get it. I know it takes time to really make changes in our lives that will then create the lasting health that we're looking for. Yeah. So I've been you know, drawn to slow it right down and spread it out. So what was an eight-week, nine-week thing is going to be a six-month six immersion oh, where I'll get more cool. one-on-one time with everyone and, um, you know, have more, you know, uh, yeah, personalised calls 
as well as group calls fortnightly instead of weekly. So it's just slowing it down and spacing it out. And I'm really excited about that because I think it's going to really um, generate a lot of change. for. And do you know how many women are meant to be in that container? Like is it like a small group or...? I would cap it at 15 because I don't want it to get too big. I want to be able to be there for each person and for them to, you know, possibly build accountability buddies if they want to and yeah. to share each other and have our own little, you know, program of asking questions and supporting each other. So it becomes a little community rather than us all feeling like we're doing it alone because yeah. it, it's always And easier. would they just get in community. touch with you about that or will it be on the website at some point? It's or... nearly ready to you know, be shown <laughs> on the website, but, yes, I'll, I'll start sharing more about it in cool. the next So maybe getting on, on your newsletter yeah. list or somehow yeah. making sure they're connected with you would be yes. the next right step. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for sharing good. that. I think that that's just so generous, like to have the six months of that container. Like when you know you want to change something, like go find the person that you resonate with and be in a container with, with other women yeah. as well. It's that because it's sometimes the questions that other women ask. Oh, it's so good. Think to yeah. ask. Yeah, you go and hearing deeper. hearing each other's stories is always so like, beneficial, and it's like yeah, hearing that perspective. Oh, I, I resonate with that part, and I can share this bit. It's very beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jack. I I can't wait to see it <laughs> come out, and I feel like yeah, the right women will be drawn to it. And I just love. I just want to give you like that acknowledgement of I just love the way you do business as well as someone who is a practitioner in the healing arts Uh, you it's like the same philosophy that drives the yoga and the ayurveda i feel like you have found a way to like do business that way as well and i can see it and i feel it when your emails go out like i feel the life force in the emails Mm -hmm. so you guys have to get on her list (laughs) experience it because it's very giving it's like okay if i'm not ready yet to have a session but I can take your blog and like do yeah. something with it and you experience the benefit. You're like, oh, this actually works. And, you know, it, it feels good. And it's that um, reciprocity. And then you, you might go, okay, well, but I'm drawn to something local. And I, I like, I wish you were in Melbourne. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll see, I'll see a little retreat or a workshop that you're doing. And it's like yes. so juicy. And I'm like, oh, brother, it's like a day thing and it's an Adelaide. <laughs> fly for a day <laughs> oh well that would be lovely to you know, connect with you again in that way so, I, yeah. I do um one-on-ones with zoom as well for yes, people so in Melbourne yeah but for those in-person place. things oh absolutely yeah. yeah no and I feel drawn as well I feel like we're moving to that part where people are going to be yeah. looking for their community and it's important that you do things offline so whatever teacher you can find in your local area, go be with them. And then also, yeah, find your teachers online who like, I do a lot of things and my teachers are in America. And, you know, I feel like sometimes my body clock is attuned to this because they tend to be doing things. But this particular teacher, I've got like an 8 a.m. call in the morning, which kind of suits me. But I'm not like, I'll just always catch replays. But otherwise, yeah, I'm so glad that you said yes to doing this in January at the start so we can start off fresh and start with the basics it's like the body first get the body right and then all this other stuff to do with your purpose and enlightenment and awakening into all of that that'll come when the vehicle is working correctly so thank you so much for listening everybody thank you to Jack um, from livingayurveda.com.au thank you so much for listening to this episode the first episode of 2024 um, with Jacqueline Isles of livingayurveda.com.au. My invitation to you is to deeply listen to yourself. I was talking with my coach and she's like, Nadara, it looks like you're creating a community of deep listeners because listening is always the first step, right? If you don't get in the habit of listening to what your body is saying to you, what your intuition is saying is right with your life or what needs to change. You can't have the fuel to actually make those changes. So the initiation that happens is because you finally have fuel. And that's why the clients who work with me end up birthing passion projects or starting new businesses or um, 
you know, making huge life transitions because they finally have the fuel. Because the fuel enables them to make the commitment and then have the courage and take the aligned action um, after they've done that deep listening. And you need someone who can listen for the subtleties, um, who can listen to things you're not even saying, uh, but they can be heard like under the surface of your words. Um, that is my jam. <laughs> so um, if this is moving you and if January is a really good time for you because it's maybe more quiet than other times of the year for you, maybe it is an invitation. Um, and ask yourself, like, is that a good time to reach out to Nadara? Is it a good time to reach out to Jack and work on my health stuff? And just say, do you get an uh-huh or uh-uh? Some of you have a little bit of a longer decision-making process where uh, you need to like ride out your emotional wave. Um, but then, you know, when it feels calm and when it feels grounded, it's like, yeah, I do want to explore that. Then reach out to whoever um, you feel drawn to because it's hard to do this stuff on your own. Um, it sits outside of your consciousness. <laughs> so you need somebody to be able to witness it and bring it to you so that it's in front of you and you can then decide um, and commit to making those changes or not. It's always a choice, right? Um, no one's forcing you. It's just that when you know inside that you're meant to do something, taking the next step, it's almost like it, it's an act of self-care um, and self-responsibility to do that, to gift yourself um, the option of exploring that. And Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Your Truth is Calling podcast. This is your host, Nadira Razak, signing off. And I wish you Afia for the year 2024. That was always the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. May peace be upon him. His dua or his supplication, um, he would always wish you afia. And afia is one Arabic word which encompasses all types of well-being, whether that's your mental health, your spiritual health, your physical health, emotional health, um, financial health, even your social um, health. Right, like the the health of the the people around you so that they're people who encourage you and who see the best for you and challenge you in good ways and yeah help you grow so i'm just yeah holding that in my heart for all of you who listen and and may that radiate out to your families and your communities assalamu alaikum everybody assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh